0: is
1: we need to live like dying people because whether you live good and you have just a few days you live good and you have a long life or whether you live evil and you live a short life you live evil and you have a long life either way death comes to all of us at some juncture and so we need to realize that our days are numbered and there's no better time to get right with Jesus and to follow Jesus than the present moment
0: If you've ever caught yourself inwardly condemning someone because they don't attend church as often as you do or know the Bible as well as you do, then you're not alone. We all have a tendency to strive to create perfectionist goals of living like Jesus. But as we'll hear today, none of those goals achieve salvation. Only self-righteous legalism. The key is simply Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 15, with part one of his message entitled Wisdom for Daily Living. Jesus is
1: the Bible, in its breadth, pretty much covers everything. Now, of course, when I say that, I realize that it maybe doesn't give us the best uh, recipe for uh, chicken enchiladas. But really the Bible fills in everything that is necessary for you and I We have long sections of what we could consider theology in the sense It explains to us who God is And then there are other sections where it's rubber meets the road This is how you are supposed to live If you think about it Theology is the things of God and ethics are how we are meant to live in light of the things of God And what I love about the Bible is that given the different books, given the different sections in different books They have a tendency to move us from different places in different ways And one of the things that I love about the Bible is that God is not concerned that he has to say everything all the time God realizes that what is being said is actually being built upon other things. Now, God is not concerned with that, but one of the things that I have found in my years as a pastor is that oftentimes people are concerned because you don't say everything all the time. So you have to assume certain realities. And because there's an assumption that people are thinking about these things in a greater context you have a tendency that when you are in a place where the word is speaking to us about rubber meets the road, how we should live our lives, the assumption is that we don't divorce that from the things that we already know about God. And one of the biggest problems for me as a pastor, as we're going through books of the Bible, is that, I mean, we've been seven weeks in the book of Ecclesiastes, And I can't recap all seven weeks to be able to explain to you what I want to today. I have to assume on a certain level that everyone's been tracking all the way through. And now what we're going to see today actually builds upon what happened previously. But, be that as it may, I also realize that there's some of you who haven't been tracking with us. So I want to give you seven and a half chapters of Ecclesiastes in two minutes. And then we're going to build on it for today. Now, the theme of the book of Ecclesiastes is literally that life stinks. That, that is the theme. That life under the sun, divorced from God, it's a total bummer. He uses the word vanity, it can be meaningless, absurdity. Trying to wrap your arms around the meaning of life, divorce, from God it's absurd everything about it leaves you hanging whether it's history or pleasure or wisdom all these things a divorce from the God who created sustains and loves you when you just survey what happens under heaven the, the ways and means of mankind it's just totally a bummer That's that's the theme of the book of Ecclesiastes That's what it's about But what is beautiful about this Is that the writer to the Ecclesiastes Whether it be King Solomon Who it's kind of more popularly ascribed to Or another one of the kings of Israel He does believe in God And so he keeps pulling us out from this very dreary look at life under the sun and brings us back out again and says, hey, don't forget, though, there's a God, and we need to fear him and walk with him. And God gives us the meaning. Does that make sense? And we've been seeing that part of the beauty of the way the book of Ecclesiastes is actually designed is that it seems from... A whole book, it's kind of haphazard It says something and then it says something else And then it says something else And it goes back to the first thing We kind of keep jumping around It kind of feels random Because life outside of God feels pretty random, doesn't it? So the form of the book actually comes in line with the experience That the Bible is trying to help us understand And I realize that many of you here today Many of you who are watching us online right now There's people in the chapel right now and other venues All of us are grappling with the seeming absurdity of life We grapple with it because There's a part of our hearts And a part of our experiences That just expect that these things should Fit together much more neatly than they seem to Given the way life seems to unfold We think to ourselves I mean, Really? That's the way it's going to go down like that? That's what's going to happen? So we're all dealing with this. And what we have today in the middle of Ecclesiastes chapter 7 is we get wisdom for daily life today. Wisdom for daily living. So grab your Bibles, open them up to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 7. I'm going to be picking up our study in verse 15. Now, if you were here last week, you realize that I gave you four keys to a a better life. And I took kind of the first half of Ecclesiastes 7. Because the theme that we have in this section is that there is a better way. There is a way that you can live, and then there is a better way. And we were have been encouraged by the writer to the Ecclesiastes to choose the better way. When we move into the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, speaking about love, says, there is a more excellent way. There's a more excellent way. And the writer to Ecclesiastes and the Apostle Paul are pushing us to the same thing. Now, because we're going to look at wisdom for daily living, I do not want you to think for one second that this is going to be a nice little six-point little self-help message because you have to realize that wisdom for daily living is really all about Jesus and who he is and what he's done and how we live in response to Jesus that's something you hear a lot here at Crossroads simply responding to Jesus why? because that's what we do because that's who we are because that's who Jesus is And we like to say simply responding to Jesus as our mission statement because to me that is the whole of the Christian life in totality for us as individuals and it's also the best way to get at doing church which is a collection of individuals who are following Jesus. So everywhere we're saying how do we simply respond to Jesus here? And so when we look at these areas of wisdom for daily living... We're going to keep talking about Jesus Because I don't want you to think Oh I'm just going to incorporate these things And I'm going to leave Jesus out You won't have a better life You might have a more moral life You might have uh, an ethically more fulfilling experience But you're really not leading a better life The life that God has ordained for you And this end of Ecclesiastes 7 It's much like the book of Proverbs They call it wisdom literature There's all these little sayings truth sayings. I, you know, at, one, at some point, I'll do a series on the book of Proverbs called God's Tweets or God's Twitter account. Because really, that's what Proverbs is. It's, all, it's like all these little sayings are 140 characters or less, just totally deep with truth. But that's for another day. So let's jump right on in. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 15. I've seen everything in my days of vanity. There is a just man who perishes in his righteousness And there is a wicked man who prolongs life in his wickedness. Now, one verse. There is a just man who perishes in his righteousness. And there is a wicked man who prolongs life in his wickedness. Now, this is one of those truth things that bother us. Because what it's saying is that there is somebody who does everything right... But dies young And there's somebody who does everything wrong But lives long And that's one of those areas Of absurdity in life isn't it That you're like come on I mean somebody who's a good person By the world standards Who's trying to live a good life And taking care of themselves And doing things And their life ends too soon And then there's someone Who's just straight nasty And they live to be a hundred years old And I just don't understand why that is and that is one of the questions. Our days are in the hands of the Lord. But the, the piece of wisdom I believe God wants us to take from this, and we've been seeing this, is that we need to live like dying people. We need to live like dying people. I unabashedly steal the phrase from my good friend, Pastor Bill Walden. He pastors a church in, in Napa, California. He was actually also the lead singer of a pretty popular christian punk band in the 80s called undercover for those of you who are digging that stuff yeah some of you are like yeah okay he's, he's a friend of mine and he so we every time we'll be talking about life and ministry he'll be like daniel we need to live like dying men and i love the phrase because what it's saying is that we all realize that there is an expiration date to life on under the sun on the earth we know if we put our faith and trust in jesus then we will live eternally But our days, years, weeks, months, decades under the sun have an expiration date. And none of us have been promised an eternal life, this go at it, on this earth. No one here is going to make it to a million years old on the earth. There is an X date when it's over. And we need to remember that. We need to realize that we should not put off for tomorrow the things that God would have us do today. We should not say, Lord, I'm really going to engage in responding to Jesus by loving my spouse, by taking care of our family finances, by pouring the gospel into our children, by loving my enemies. I'm not going to put that off for a later date because I don't know that I have a later date. And that's why when the, the Psalms say, Lord, teach us to number our days that it might incline our hearts to wisdom. That's the point of that. It's saying when we realize that at some point this life is past, then we'll always remember as the old proverb says that we'll get about doing the things for Christ that are the things that will last. So often we push off for tomorrow what we need to do today. And I want to encourage you, and and, and this is not, I don't want this to be depressing, but if you're following hard after Jesus, that doesn't mean you're going to live forever here on the earth either. It doesn't mean that you're going to get an extra long life because you're following Jesus, as if, because, Lord, I'm responding to you and I'm doing everything right, now I'm going to live really, really long. It just never says that. So each one of us needs to grab hold of the life that God has given us this side of eternity, like the Apostle Paul. For me to live is Christ, he said, and to die is His gain. And this verse is reminding us the first part of that phrase, to live is Christ. That for you and I, however many breaths under the sun God gives us, we need to be getting at the work of God's kingdom. We need to say, Lord, my life is of infinite value to you because you gave your son who is of infinite value. And Lord, if you are willing to trade your son's life for my life, then Lord, I better be getting at some stuff with you. And I think what's gone on is that we are so used to hearing that we are saved by grace apart from works, and we are. We're so used to hearing that That it's kind of made us sit back on our heels a little bit Where we say Oh man it doesn't really matter what I do No it absolutely matters what you do But what you do doesn't save you What you do shows the fruit of what God is doing in your life It doesn't save you But what we do is absolutely necessary It's absolutely necessary So we need to live like dying people because whether you live good and you have just a few days or you live good and you have a long life or whether you live evil and you live a short life or you live evil and you have a long life either way death comes to all of us at some juncture and so we need to realize that our days are numbered and there's no better time to get right with Jesus and to follow Jesus than the present moment it's essential for us Now, in verse 16, it says this, Do not be overly righteous, nor be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Do not be overly wicked, nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you grasp this, and also not remove your hand from the other, for he who fears God will escape them all. Now, this is kind of a strange little section, isn't it? Don't be overly righteous, or wise, or don't be overly foolish, or wicked. So this is what you would call parallelisms, where, and this is very common if you read the Proverbs, where they'll be looking at two different sides of the coin to make a point. Now, I believe that the point of this proverb is that we should fear properly, We should fear properly And I get that from the culmination of it For he who fears God Will escape them all Now here's the thing I know that there was a whole movement for a while No fear, everything was no fear And that's a great shirt to wear But we all know it's just a shirt, right? I've never once met somebody who is truly free of fear And our Bible tells us that we should never be free of fear We learn that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom And it's the beginning of knowledge Jesus tells us things like Why do you fear him who can only kill the body But not fear him who can kill the body and cast the soul into hell fire So we all struggle with fear And the question becomes for us Is the fear? the right fear, and does it lead to the right way of life, or is it the wrong fear that leads to a wrong way of life? So we need to fear properly, and this parallelism of don't be overly righteous or overly wise, this wants to keep us from being self-righteous and legalistic. That's what it means, don't be overly righteous or overly wise. See, this, this is what happens, is that we come to Jesus by grace apart from works. And then, because our hearts are idol factories, because we're always worshiping something, and because of the fall, worshiping God is not the most natural feeling. So, once we get saved, oftentimes we import some sort of self righteous legalism, some self salvation plan. I've been in Christ long enough to, have walked a lot of those I remember when it was I go to church every Sunday and I look down on everyone who didn't that's one form of legalism the church attendance legalism that's one then the serving in ministry legalism I do all this ministry I'm a good Christian boy Then I started reading big books. Oh, the big book, self-righteous legalism. Look, you know, guys, know I like to read. I have nothing against education, but i the more time I spend with people who read big books, the more they're just trying to get saved by their big book reading and their blog reviews that nobody reads about those big books. It's a wicked part of humanity because it's like if you don't read the books that I read, we cannot talk theology because I am much smarter than you. Or, 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 or. See, here's the thing. On some level, we all have some sort of self-righteous, legalistic thing that this is what it means. For some of us, it's political party affiliation, favorite football team, how you dress for church, how you comb or don't comb your hair. There's a million of them. See, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we could never, ever think for one second that we can stand before God on our own. I mean, you think about all these, all these criterias that we all erect for people, and then we think we don't even live up to even a portion of one of them, but we set them up for everybody else and we think that we're so good because we don't do these things but then the gospel message that God loves you and I so much so much that he sent his son to live a perfect life perfectly lived in every action and intention and motivation and that perfect son was also the perfect sacrifice because of that perfectly lived life and he died on the cross not because of what he did but because of what we've done what I've done And he did it Not because I was like Lord you need to do this for me No I was running the other direction Trying to do it my own way And so were you And then Not only did he die on the cross But he rose again Why? Because the perfectly lived life Which made him the perfect sacrifice Death couldn't keep him Death had no No Way to hold him He was completely undeserving And death had to give him back See See The gospel undercuts self-righteous legalism viciously But yet we all try and do it, don't we? Like it's just part of the human condition So don't be overly right It's like, listen, don't either be self-righteous and legalistic Or the other way, don't be wicked or foolish Instead of saying, well, I'm going to be really religious The other side is to say, well, I'm just going to give in to evil I'm going to capitulate to evil It's kind of like the, well, if everyone's doing it and getting away with it, then why shouldn't I? And, And isn't that something that we do all the time? It's like, oh, yeah, I mean, what's the problem? I mean, everybody's doing it. Nobody seems to care. See, on either side of that, on either side of that, we're not fearing properly. Because... With self-righteous legalism, know what our fear is? Our fear is that we need someone else to save us. And that's the gospel, right? The gospel is that someone else needs to save us. That yes, you are amazing. Yes, you were created in the image and likeness of God, but you cannot save yourself and neither can I. So the fear of self-righteousness is I need to save myself because I can do it. The fear of capitulation to evil is saying, I'm going to miss out on the cut corner that everyone else is. But notice, the person who fear God escapes them both. See, when you and I fear God, when we not only respect His authority, but we also love Him enough not to want to break His heart, those two prongs of fearing God, respect and love, one is about authority, and the other is about relationship. When we fear God, we will never fall into self-righteous legalism.
0: Jesus is real. As Pastor Daniel noted today, even after being saved by grace, we are great at making idols. And that tendency is how people fall into self-righteous legalism. No matter what we set up for ourselves and others, none of us are saved by them. Jesus already accomplished that perfection for us. What we do best on our own is sin. (laughs) Instead of giving over to self-righteous legalism or sin, we need to fear God properly because He saves us. Thanks, Josh. Pastor Daniel would like to invite you to join him each day on Facebook for his two-minute messages. Pastor Daniel shares from his heart and God's Word in a way that will impact your life. It's the perfect way to inject a little bit of Jesus into your routine. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links to the two-minute messages. Now, here's Josh with a preview of what Pastor Daniel will be covering in the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Jesus is Real Radio as we continue this study in Ecclesiastes. We'll hear how we should live like dying people. We all need to help, but there are many ideas about where we should seek it. Jesus is the only way to salvation that covers sin by grace and not by what you do or don't do how good you are, how you vote. Everybody has some way, but God is the only way. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Daniel will continue sharing with us from the book of Ecclesiastes. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.
1: For journey we walk On a narrow trail